When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day. This is Simon Rose. Joining me for The Bigger Picture today is political commentator Mike Indian, author of the Groucho Tendency blog. Um, Mike, I think you want to start by looking at the Queen's speech, uh, which was one of those rare Queen's speeches that didn't have the Queen. <laughs> yes, I think, I think it's. this is one of those occasions where the the absence of the monarch is is being felt quite keenly it should be said that the queen is 96 years old she's uh, enjoying what is probably the <laughs> the side effects of her age at this point which is uh, mobility issues she did open parliament last year with prince charles in attendance but this year there was i think i think a few of us were expecting uh, the Queen to actually be in attendance at this event, but it, it it's marking another transition, I think, at this point in time. And there's mm. a certain sense of people looking around and, uh, and acknowledging what a major change it will be not having her at these occasions. She, she's only missed them in the past because of, I think, pregnancy due to uh, <laughs> um, this is the first time really due to health. So it's an important moment, I think, in that watership, in that watershed between the the end of the Elizabethan age and, and the and the accession of the long awaited accession of Prince Charles to the throne as well. And we, we had the first proper preview, I think, of what a king's speech might look like as well. It's got, it seems yeah, it seems odd to think that we will have to change from one to the other at some stage. Um but what about what was in it? I mean I read one piece talking about, you know, the number of speeches that she or indeed somebody else has given on her behalf over the year on behalf of the government, um, which always feels a necessity to sort of fill the speech with stuff. But I mean, if you look back, uh, I wonder how many pieces of legislation you would actually consider mention the Queen's speech were worthwhile. It has to be said, there wasn't a lot in this speech that is going to capture people's imaginations. I think it's what we might expect partly from a, a midterm Queen's speech. Mm. A lot of it's focused on the government's existing agenda, specifically making the most of post-Brexit freedoms. There's going to be a bill to privatise Channel 4, which is incredibly controversial. There's the new levelling up and regeneration bill, which will give people a vote on whether or not uh, to approve Neighbours extensions. I think noticeably there's a lot of stuff that wasn't in the Queen's speech. So there was a, a wide ranging employment bill, which would have embedded the right to flexible working mm. more centrally in terms of UK employment law. That's been downgraded now to a carer's leave bill. Crucially, I think the government is looking to more fiscal solutions and legislative to address the cost of living crisis. There's also going to be a bill to create the new oversight body for great British Railways, the new guiding mind of that as well. There is going to be a uh, a lot focused on 
crime, particularly the public order bill tightening up. There's going to be a new independent regulator for football in there as well. So but there's a lot in there. It has to be said, though, that a lot of this cannot, there's 38 bills, a lot of this cannot possibly get through Parliament in a single sitting. Mm. There's perennial favourites like the HS2 bill to crew that even that project's been scaled back. The, the most substantive piece of legislation in my mind is what's been carried over from the previous parliament, which is the online safety bill, which is trying to deliver a better approach for regulating content online. There's also some draft pieces of legislation in there as well. Tories are also getting their much sought after bill to revise the human rights act basically the thing that embeds the european convention on human rights into uk law they want to replace that with a british bill of rights Mm. there could also be and i think we'll touch on northern ireland later on in the debate sorry in the in the podcast we're going to be looking at what changes could possibly be made to the protocol as yes. well, which has been promised, but nothing has been firmed up yet. I think a lot of the legislation that might come out, the government doesn't feel it can plan for. So this feels like a Queen's speech yes. for the last two years of, of this parliament to me. We, 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 we're going to talk a little later about the local election results, but I mean, it was known in advance the Conservatives would hardly uh, come out um, wonderfully in them. Might you have expected something a little bit more radical? I mean, something to to perhaps please both the you know the red wall voters and traditional conservatives because you know there's there's a great deal of thought now that that the conservatives have sort of tacked left trying to cut the middle ground from under under labor but many conservatives you know profess that this isn't a particularly conservative government or in fact they don't seem to know what the government does believe in well there was there was a, there was a radical overhaul of planning laws that had been mooted previously that has mm. been that was began genesis when dominic cummings was in downing street and that that has been dropped as well i think the government's folks is is worried about undermining the so-called blue wall seats in the south of england particularly with the lib dems making big gains in the local elections as we talked about there mm. there are big ideas that there is don't forget this is this is intrinsically a conservative government but there are a lot of small bills as well I think there's a lot of legislation for legislation's sake. The British Bill of Rights, for example, is is hardly an issue that's, I would say, pressing in most people's minds. When the, when the but the human but replacing the Human Rights Act has been a Tory hobby horse for years, and we're left with a sense now that the government is looking for a direction. But don't forget, in the wake of the pandemic, that major moment, and I think events often lead to the biggest changes in our politics if we think about the world wars we think about mm. financial crisis we think about the pandemic boris johnson in the wake of that doubled down on his commitment to the 2019 manifesto which is written hastily for an election that occurred solely to deal with brexit now and the government is still dealing with that element i mean we're still you know the government's talking about legislation to scrap large chunks of the northern ireland protocol at this particular point in time which would effectively remove the right of northern, northern ireland to trade with the rest of the republic of ireland and put that so-called hard border mm. in place there is a dearth of ideas and i think even the more innovative solutions that the government is wanting to consolidate its position ahead of the polls and particularly given that the prime minister's relationship with his backbenchers has become so fractious. Definitely, Boris Johnson has never been a big ideas man. So the Conservatives are looking to bread and butter issues as well. Mm. So expect that the main emphasis in the next year or so to be on trying to ease the cost of living crisis. Yeah. 
Uh, let's pause briefly for a moment and then we'll change uh, topic. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Bigger Picture on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with political commentator Mike Indian. Um, where do you want to look now, Mike? I think it's important to look at the wider context of what's happening in politics. Obviously, the Queen's Speech is a very Westminster-focused event, but we talked there about things the government could do to ease the cost of living crisis and there's 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 sort of two interconnected stories here. so the bank of england last week produced their inflation forecast which stated that they expect the uk to go back into recession by the end of the year uh, the base rate has now increased to one percent so bear in mind that it was 0.1 percent yeah six months ago so the base rates increased tenfold in six months albeit from a record low interest rates are the highest they've been in over a decade certainly the highest they've been in many uh, gen z people's lifetimes and the headline rate of inflation the bank is expecting to reach potentially 10 percent, which is five times the target that is set for it by the government so one of the things that's driving this is the record high cost of energy and there are a myriad of factors behind this war in ukraine supply chain crisis the impact of the pandemic the uk has been particularly hard hit by this because of the nature our energy market operates in we relied on a very shallow base of small private providers to give a semblance of competition Mm. but with the wholesale prices going up energy firms like shell like bp are making record profits and the big option that's being considered at the moment that the government hasn't ruled out is a windfall tax on those energy companies' profits as well to try and recoup some of the money that they've gained at other people's expenses. Mm. The Prime Minister, they never talk about if energy companies make record losses as they did not that long ago. They never talk about actually paying them back money when that happens. And I can't help feeling that with the big energy companies, we're relying on them to invest in renewable energy. And I imagine they would scale back such plans. Were they doing this? I mean, every company gets taxed. Why should certain companies be taxed more for being successful? I I fail from a conservative government. This strikes me as being an absolutely extraordinary suggestion. I mean, we have to bear in mind that Firstly, the Prime Minister has signalled today that he will not rule out the government U-turning on this as well, because the government wants to keep some big bazookas of intervention here mm. as well. The, tre- the Daily Mail's reported that the Treasury is looking at options here as well, that things like Labour and the opposition have been demanding for months. A one-off levy targeted at the chief executive themselves could be a no-brainer, but it's a very populist move. Mm. The Chancellor's even come out today and, and told yes. the BBC's economic Senator Faisal Islam that he no longer opposes a, win, a, win, a, windfall, a windfall tax, although he says he's not attracted to them. However, this is a populist move. This, this I do not think, would address the underlying 
answer which is that the energy market itself is to blame here the companies themselves yes. are making money out of this yeah. but they operate in a market economy we have a dysfunctional energy market we have a dysfunctional housing market we have dysfunctional many things the sort of things you might have felt could have been addressed in the queen's speech yes and there could have been for example measures to remove vat on energy which is a key pledge of the vote leave campaign yeah. We are now six years on from the referendum, and for the last three of those, we have had the most prominent figure in the Vote Leave campaign as Prime Minister in that country. We've been out mm. of the EU since 2022 years now, so this is something the government could do. It would only take a small chunk of energy bills, but it would at least be uh, emblematic of the yes. government's commitment. They could act in other ways. They could turn that... 350 pounds 200 pounds which is is effectively a loan to people or yeah. something that, that is repayable into a grant they could put more money into this given the amount of money that has been spent the prime minister said the other day that the government did not want to spend its way out of the cost of living crisis but unfortunately and yes there is an issue of rising inflation but if we enter recession then targeted stimulus measures could work mm very well i read this week to my shock that test and trace which i think even people involved with would not claim was the biggest success the government's ever come out with costs us 500 pounds per person in this country yes and although the we we hope that we've moved past the the era of mass testing now and we're moving back mm. towards some semblance of normality in society in reality, the government has to accept the fact that the dial has moved on certain issues, whether it be the fact that they haven't chosen to embed the right to flexible working in home. The Department of Transport, funnily enough, have actually been ahead of this. They, they announced a sale of rail tickets to try and get people to go out and yes, visit yes. other attractions, which is, I think, remarkably quite full sight. Um, but even yes, then, yes, yes. A, lot, a lot of people aren't going to have the extra money to spend. And yeah, I think absolutely. Though, though I must say, I'm traveling around at the moment, London particularly seems quite busy. The tubes seem pretty mm. busy whenever I've been using them. Now, the reason I mentioned testing traces is not to speak of the pandemic, just the fact that it irritates me as a taxpayer when money is absolutely wasted. I mean, you can understand government sometimes spending money on things that, you know, that are don't work out the way they hope, but it's when money just gets thrown down the drain. You, it just makes my blood boil. Well, bear in mind as well that we've had the government flex its fiscal muscles to keep things like unemployment low but now mm. when companies are struggling to recruit people we're also dealing with the fact that lots of working patterns would have changed and yes. i think as as well the, we have to acknowledge that the government's immigration reforms are stifling a need i think for foreign labor to come into this country and to pick up a lot of jobs that are available if we were um, if we were still part of the European Union, freedom of movement, I think, would allow people to do that and to come in. Mm -hmm. and the great resignations issue. But there's also an issue as well that our economy still mostly relies on the service industry. Yep. Lots of people in the hospitality sector struggling to recruit. And although the government talks about measures it's done and putting in £1,000 more on national minimum wage, this government can no longer adopt reheated Thatcherite solutions like reviving the right to buy when inflation has returned this is this is this is true truly the mark i think of the end of the sort of thatcherite era of economics when we can actually say now that this government is having to tame inflation for the first time as a serious issue for the first time since the early 80s 
there aren't any, there isn't anybody in the government here who's really equipped to deal with this. So the prime minister, I think, should be looking around, and the chancellor should be looking further afield for more innovative solutions. And I think mm. that there are probably plenty of them out there. But this means going beyond the simple Tory playbook of uh, trying to keep the economy on track. Yeah. Oh well, Mike. Let's let's, let's move on then. Where where, would, where should we go now? I think we should now turn to considering what happened at the local election results mm. last week. It was a a smorgasbord of results <laughs> and uh, i I've, I've been i've been told not to read too much into these i think there is um although i i have to confess we're, we're, we're always told that but then you know the populace of, of of well many of the populace of britain were actually were actually voting so we can't just ignore them well i think we have to, we have to acknowledge the fact that there was a lot of expectation management done around these yeah. elections as well and this has happened in a week. I, I don't think it gave either side a clear win. Labour made some inroads, particularly in London. There were headline councils taken off there. But there were signs, I think, particularly outside of London, that Labour is not making gains in the kind of red wall seats like Wakefield that it needs to. Obviously, they've got a by-election coming up there probably in a few weeks' time now, probably mm. next month. Keir Starmer's also had to deal with, in the run-up to this, increasing pressure around the so-called beer gate event, which is, is this, he's made this extraordinary pledge earlier in the week to resign after, after effectively coming out top in the local elections in terms of votes and the number of councils gained. He and his deputy leader, Angela Reyna, said on Monday that if they were issued with fines over a gathering that occurred in the office of the mm. Durham MP, Mary Kelly Foy, they would both quit. This is, instead it's, you know, when Theresa May had disastrous local election results, she was out on her ear uh, three years ago as prime minister. So it's not often that you get. Well, why leaders. do you think Star Starmer did? It seems an extraordinary thing and puts incredibly pressure and pressure on the police. Though I, I think I then read that the Durham police have a policy of not issing retroact retrospective fines, but I, I don't know if Star Starmer, Starmer knew Starmer, that. But. Starmer is playing a comparatively high-risk strategy here for him. But I think he feels it is a safe bet in the sense that he doesn't feel he did anything wrong. Mm. And I think he feels he can, he can prove that as well. He has made a rod for his own back. But I think the issue of pressing ahead on the integrity of the Prime Minister is one that is a smart political move in the short term, because I think if, if they want to try... But the trouble is, though, is that it might give the Tories a... It might try and give the Tories a reprieve in the sense that if Boris Johnson is forced to resign by this, and certainly the scenario that's envisaged if Keir Starmer had to quit after being issued with one fine, it would put greater pressure on the Prime mm. Minister as well. We've heard anecdotal evidence from across the country that Beer Gate, Party Gate had cut through. I suspect a lot of people, both both parties made the cost of living the main issue in the election when comparatively local government can only do so much on this as well many of us haven't received the council tax rebates yet now some people need mm -hmm. those more than others the the local election results i think paint a very mixed picture for labor and i think it shows that if you look at historically that if that there have been no there's been no leader of the opposition who's been has had the narrow lead that starmer's had then gone on to enter downing street and we're going to enter i think what happened in the run-up to the 20 15 general election, where there's, there's this conjecture that there could be some sort of denying the Tories an overall majority scenario. Mm. 
And actually, the Tories do what they do time and again and find a way of getting a majority during the election. The, the bar for Starmer to meet is much, much higher. But the fact that we could be even be talking about the possibility of there being another Labour leader so soon after his election is astonishing. But it I might mean, be, if, if there is a new one, it might be just what Labour needs. But intriguing, though, isn't it, that London um, is now so overwhelmingly um, Labour? I mean, is there anything interesting to read in that? Westminster and Wandsworth both going to Labour? It, it reflects that, and I say this as speaking to people who, who knows individuals in, in the London uh, Conservative bubble, that the Tories no longer see this as the key to, to winning these What Onsworth might have been Margaret Thatcher's favourite council, but it doesn't matter really to the modern Conservative Party. They've conceded that they're quite happy to let Labour pile up votes in, in the cities. And, mm. the, and the Democrats are doing this in the states as well. The younger voters tend to gravitate to more metropolitan <laughs> urban areas, more liberal-leaning areas, and, and, and vote Labour. Labour can pile up the votes in Waltham Forest, or they can take seats off them in Wandsworth or in Hillingdon. But if the Tories are still holding on in the red wall and then the blue wall the tories aren't worried they'll be more worried by the lib dems the gains they made because the lib dems had an absolutely stonking showing they put on many councils i mean they gained 194 the tories lost about 500 nationally i think it does confirm the retrenchment of the conservative party in england labor's showing in wales was more promising i think they've mark drakeford has stemmed the losses that they were serving having to the conservatives in that part of the uk and in scotland they've edged ahead of the uh, scottish stories under douglas ross to become the second party again in that part of the uk but this is not a labor party in my mind that strikes me as being poised to take power i think we need there needs to be something else that that happens to give Starmer a bit more resonance. And it might be that a new leader for Labour is needed at this point in time. I, I hope Starmer does lead Labour into the next election. I think he's putting in the hard yards. But equally, we have to acknowledge that Labour came off the this local election. Starmer has, has done little more to consolidate the considerable successes that Jeremy Corbyn's Labour leadership made in the areas where Labour already had very strong appeal. Uh, I mean, she just uh, historically, the Lib Dems or formerly the Liberal Party, whatever that sort of that sort of left-leaning social democratic party, has always done well in local elections, hasn't it? That aren't necessarily mirrored then at general elections. Just curious to know why that is. The Lib Dems have a very strong the, the basis of their party is community activists, essentially. They are essentially, I think, the party that thrives on local issues. There's there's a joke about uh, Lib Dems pointing at potholes, effectively, and which to many people are, of course, quite important. There are issues, and I, I think that the the Lib the Lib Dems have always excelled at local campaigning and by elections. They can get their vote out quite effectively, mm. and I think that's that speaks dividends. Them, I and fair credit to Ed Davey and his leadership. He's he's managed to hold on and consolidate. Uh, a party's revival. It doesn't mean the Libyans will fare well at the general election. Their support is hyper-local at the best of times. But if we look at what's happening in different parts of the country, they are edging the Conservatives out in southern England. They're putting more pressure on them. There are there are seats that where majorities did fall in southern England. So they're 
uh, the, do well the, in areas where HS2 is. Um, they are do very well in areas. Through, where, yeah. and, and of course, there was still an HS2 bill. HS2 is now under construction. The government hasn't shown any signs of abandoning it, despite yeah. that. I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, the HS2 bill is, is on the Queen's speech for this year, but it's been there every year since 2014. And although the project is under construction, it's not popular in Tory heartlands and yes. it's increasingly looking like a very expensive white elephant as well. Yeah. well one other thing, I saw some criticism of um, Sadiq Khan announcing, maybe it wasn't the day of the election, the day before about Crossrail opening. And there were some people saying you really can't make that sort of announcement just before um, elections. Did you feel that was that was unfair? Do you think it was was political? Uh, I think Labour already had a very strong position in the capital. I mean, anything the mayor of London does in that context is always going to be political. And uh, but bear in mind that it would give them a good news story today before polling day. Crossrail has been a millstone round Sadiq Khan's neck mm. for his entire mayoralty to date. Under his watch, the project has gone over uh, timetable, over budget. TfL's finances have been stretched. It's required bailouts from the government as well. So getting Crossrail up and running, I think, is, is undoubtedly a win. Yes, I do think it was a political decision, to be frank. I, I think it would be naive of anyone to say that it wasn't. But I don't think it made the difference that people would have been saying it was. No. I think Labour and was it's not, it's not, so it wasn't. It was, it's not against any pre-election rules or anything. No, I, I think it's a, ma it's a major infrastructure project. It, it, getting an opening day is something that I think people across the capital will welcome, mm. particularly given it's going to be connecting the... Uh, it's hopefully going to bring prosperity to, to parts of East London as well. It's going to be yes. east-west route, and hopefully mean that for those of us who, who are not fans of the central line, means that we can uh, <laughs> have something nice and new to, to use instead. Yes, you can't help feeling the group, the fans of the central line, could meet in a very small um, pub or possibly even a broom closet. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let us look. You talked briefly about um, Northern Ireland earlier. I mean, we have to return yet against to again to Northern Ireland, where Sean F Sinn Féin has ended up being the largest party. Um, what does that mean and, and what might it mean for the Northern Ireland Protocol? Well, it, it means, first of all, a major watershed moment in the politics of the entire island of Ireland. Sinn Féin had a very strong showing in the south. There is a lot of speculation from people I've spoken to who uh, over there who, who actually believe that Sinn Féin could be in the position to nominate the next Taoiseach, the Prime Minister mm. of the Republic of Ireland. But for now, Sinn Féin have finished ahead of the DUP. This is the first time that a nationalist party in the 101 years there's been in Northern Ireland, in, in the various iterations of the Northern Ireland Parliament and now the Northern Ireland Assembly, that a nationalist party has been the biggest party there. It has to be said that a lot of people don't really understand the nuances around Northern Irish politics. I certainly don't claim to be an expert, and I, I'm largely, I think, parroting certain insights that I've, I've yes, gleaned yes, from yes. others on this. But there was, this, this was a very bad result for the DUP. They had a 6.7% drop in their first preference votes. But the executive can only be reformed because it's a cross-community arrangement. There has to be the other big nationalist party, the DUP, has to be willing to nominate the other head of the executive, which is the deputy first minister now. They are. This this isn't like Scotland, Wales, uh, Wales, or indeed the UK government. The, the first minister and deputy first minister are the joint heads of the government. They have the same power. They have to take decisions together. They cannot be one without the other. Speculation is that um, the DUP will use the issues around the Northern Ireland Protocol as an excuse not to go back into the 
executive at the moment and indeed everything in the assembly has to be done on the basis of consensus there's been i think a strong sense that there may be maybe a need to reform the way the executive works meaning that a party that isn't aligned as specifically unionist or nationalist can take up the block of as the joint head of government this is because the non-aligned alliance party under the leadership of naomi long has has seen a massive surge in support they've overtaken the the uup as the second biggest party they've got 17 seats in the executive so Sinn Féin is the biggest 27 dup 25 alliance 17 so but there isn't a possibility of the alliance being able to join the executive with Sinn Féin because of the fact that they are a non-aligned party and it would mean them having to take sides so that essentially speaking to someone who knows a bit more about this than me they said that this this is a system of government designed for the end of the troubles effectively designed for the end of a protracted mm. civil war the executive's now been up and running for over 20 years and although it's had fits and starts uh, i think it is time to look at how it operates and to recognize that this is a considerable success for Sinn Féin and but they are, they want to work with and participate within the power structures mm. and that is a major shift compared to where we were even in 1997, 1998, it's 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 a testament to the cat to the cat campaigning of uh, Mary Lou Macdonald and her, the leadership of Michelle O'Neill in the North, and the fact they focused on bread and butter, which is Irish nationalism, hasn't really featured heavily in this election. But you can bet your bottom dollar in the long term that is still Sinn Fein's goal to create a. What's about to say? Island. Do you think that the prospect of United Ireland has become has has grown closer? I think it would only happen if Sinn Féin are able to take power in the South as well. And even then, don't forget the, the power to hold the border poll rests with the UK government. There has to be a clear sign of this. I think Sinn Féin has, has, has worked hard to shift their brand in the same way that arguably on the opposite side of the political spectrum, Marine Le Pen did the same on cost of living issues as well. It's, it's very assiduous campaigning, but this is still a wardship moment. And it's, it's, it's a, a reminder that we have to continually look at how these forms of government operate and are they fit for purpose so whether in scotland you need a second house up there to mitigate the dominance of the smp mm. the same in wales labor's now been dominant there for a while now in north ireland it's a different sort of structure but the old unionist nationalist blocks feel increasingly out of date now particularly when there's clearly a major realignment happening in that part mm. of the uk mike Thank you very much indeed. I'll be in conversation with Mike Indian, political commentator, of course, author of the Groucho Tendency blog. Mike will be back talking to me again in a fortnight's time. The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day.